Today we will be reading from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 6 through 19. Of course, there is a great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about the right time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and lords of lords, he is alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they can take hold of the life that is really life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Can we give a round for uh, our kids reading scripture? And Amen. Amen. That's a mighty word uh, that they read this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. For the past five weeks, we've been in this sermon series, All In, and we've been looking at our focus for 2030 and looking at the scriptural principles behind those emphases. And I want to go to the slide really quick, and we'll go uh, and unpack it uh, as the service and as the sermon goes on. But uh, those are our main focuses, worship, discipleship, service, and community presence, being out into the community. Uh, These aren't new or unique for Ebenezer because Jesus made it pretty clear in the Gospels when he was questioned which commandment in the law is the greatest. Jesus answers the Pharisee in one gospel and the lawyer in another gospel. Well, it is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, and with all your strength. And the second is like it, Jesus says, you shall love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. And so connection through worship and multi-generational discipleship, uh, we are growing in the ways that we love God and serve God. And then missional service and community presence, we're growing in our ways, how we love and serve others. So for each of these quadrants, we've been looking at the scripture behind each, how they are grounded. And last week, Pastor Emily kicked us off and looking at the middle, the giving and the serving. And it's really the rev of the engine. If you know anything about a combustion engine, you have fuel and you have air coming together and it creates a spark and it creates motion. Well, that's what happens in the middle, giving and serving, coming together and it creates a spark and it creates motion and it moves 
moves us and it pushes us along and it helps us to grow in our worship. It helps us to grow in our discipleship and our service and our care for the community. If there was only one quadrant, hear me out. If we had all of the giving, all of the serving, and there was only one quadrant, let's say worship, well, then we'd miss the point, right? We would neglect the community. But on the other hand, if it was all devoted, all of the giving, all of the serving, all of the fuel, all of the air into one quadrant, let's say community presence or maybe missional service, how would that make us different than a nonprofit who also seeks to care for those in the community? My friends, we have the gospel good news. Amen. We have a story to share and to tell and to transform the world together. And so giving, that's where we're at today. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Pastor Jeff, he has really lost it because it's not October. It's not November and it's not even a stewardship sermon series. Come on. He has lost it. Do you think that? Oh, thank the Lord. Yes. All right. Well, I have lost it a little bit, uh, as we probably all have. But uh, I believe when we take a look at God's word and what it says about giving and how we are called to be obedient and implement the biblical principles uh, from the Bible, what God has in store for our lives, we become truly transformed, our lives and our spirits, and we become more like the disciples that God has created us to be. So as we begin, will you pray with me? Holy and living God, we give you great thanks and praise this morning. And uh, as we come, we've assembled as a body of believers. We've come to worship and glorify you and now speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. God, may we hear your voice calling out to us and hear your spirit alive and through these scriptures. May we come to know you in a new and different light. And God, we pray uh, that may the words of all of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Because, Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. And together, all of God's people said, amen. So a study came out last year, 2023, February of 2023, and they're still working on February 2024, and it hasn't ended yet, that said 83% of Americans, 83% of Americans in 2023 are generally satisfied with their life. 83% of Americans. And that's amongst the average for the past 50 years. And here's the thing. You want to know when it was at its highest? Two months before COVID. This Gallup poll came out that said two months before COVID, it rated people and said that they were 90% at 90% satisfaction with their life. And then COVID hit two months later. What do you think? Did you think it uh, continued to stay at that 90% or did it decrease? Well, they didn't do another study, so I don't have those numbers. Um, But anyways, 83% for 2023 uh, of Americans are generally satisfied with their life. Gallup had calculated this based on nine specific aspects. They said, basing it upon family life and current living and housing arrangements, job and work and personal education, community, the amount of leisure time they had, uh, the amount of expendable income, the standard of living, what you can do and what you can buy the personal health, and also their household income. The bottom three aspects of life that rated the lowest, get ready for it, household income, 
amount of leisure time, and standard of living. The study asked those who made $40,000 or less, and they also asked folks who made $100,000 or more, and the general consensus was that 50%, it didn't matter where you were at on the spectrum, but 50% were generally dissatisfied with those three items. And the lowest of all, what people were dissatisfied the most, was household income. It's honest. We're prone to define ourselves by what we have and how much money we make rather than by who God calls us to be. Money and wealth affect every aspect of our lives, right? It affects our relationship, our marriages, our uh, our friendships. It affects what we're going to buy, what kind of car we're going to buy, when we're going to buy it, how long we're going to make a contract or a lease for. Money touches every aspect of our lives. And have you ever thought before, oh, it would be so great if I had a little bit more money. Have you said that? Have you said it out loud or in your head? Come on. A little bit more money. A little bit more. Well, as uh, the movie says, and the title escapes my mind, more money, more problems. All right? More money, more problems. More money, more stress. Well, what is it about money? What is it promise? Right? That if you have enough, you'll be happy? Well, what's enough? We long for security that comes from the promise of money. If I had a little bit more, I could pay off my student loans a little bit earlier. I could pay off my car payment. I could live in a different house. I wouldn't have to deal with my neighbors who live next door and always steal stuff from my shed. Oh, guess what? Neighbors are everywhere, okay? And God says something unique about how we are to treat our neighbors, right? We're to love them. Amen? If I had a little bit more money, I could have a bumper in the bank. And then I would be okay. But no. There's a threshold and it continues to increase. And then we need a little bit more and more and more. Money and wealth offer what only God can provide. Money and wealth offer only what God can provide. It's a matter of perspective. And that's what Paul is saying to this uh, crowd in First Timothy. It's about applying godly wisdom and understanding. It's about being obedient with our finances and who God calls us to be and what the scripture says. So what would it take for you to feel blessed? What about rich? I'm not trying to make light of our current situations, but it's really a lack of wisdom and a lack of perspective for our lives. When we acknowledge that all we have in this moment, when we acknowledge that that is more than enough, and when we stop longing for what we wished we had, we acknowledge that we are truly blessed. Amen? We acknowledge that we are truly rich. Jesus spoke more about money and wealth and eternal possessions and earthly possessions more than any other topic. And once we get our attitude right, it opens us up to knowing that money and possessions are not all that there is. And that if we seek first the kingdom of God, God will open up the true blessings and the true promises. Amen. If you haven't already, open up your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And, and I'll wait a second. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse 6. And I want to tell you a little bit of information about Timothy in this first letter. So t- Timothy 
uh, is not really uh, mentioned a lot in Scripture. He has two letters written to him. He, there's some contextual information. He's got a, a mother and a grandmother, one named Lois, another one named Eunice. Uh, he's leading a community. He's uh, Paul's protege. And in this letter, Paul is giving Timothy some information about how the church should be structured. And he's telling them that, listen, there's going to be false teachers out there who are going to try to lead your people and you astray. And Paul says, hold to the faith. Hold to the faith and exhibit good conduct. And teach the church and the community how to order themselves so that all of this might be accomplished. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 6, that godliness, which means faith or obedience to God, godliness mixed with contentment. Can we say that together? Contentment. One more time. Godliness and contentment. There is great gain. We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these things. Content or contentment is uh, used in the present tense here and also the future tense. If you have godliness or faith coupled with contentment or satisfaction, you will have all that you need. If you have food and clothing, we ought to know that we are blessed and rich. It says we will be satisfied. Not we will be satisfied. No, we are in this present moment and we will in the future. Discontentment, as it's been said before, discontentment can make rich people poor. And contentment can make poor people rich. Paul is trying to tell us that it's not about the stuff. It's not that God doesn't want us to have stuff, right? But it God doesn't want us to be identified or tried to identify ourselves by the stuff that we possess. Rather than having us possess that stuff, our stuff possesses us. And it becomes a God in our lives. And that, my friends, is idolatry. Paul says in another letter to another church, in the church in Philippi, Philippians 4, he says, I have learned to be content with all things. 4.11, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. And then he goes on to say that it is because Christ... Christ who strengthens me that I credit my contentment. I can do all things through Christ who... Good. Come on. There's cookies in the lobby. Let's go, friends. Everybody gets an A. As we go on in 1 Timothy 6, in verses 9 and 10, Paul writes to those who are reading, For those who want to be rich will fall into temptation, and those will be trapped by their desires, which leads to ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have even wandered away from the faith and put themselves in many pains. And most of you might be sitting there, oh, well, he cleared it up for us, right? The root of all evil comes from money. Money is the root of all kinds of evil. And finally, uh, our love is not just about money. He's got it right. But here's the thing. Money can purchase what we want, right? And that's where the problem is. We love the stuff that money can buy. And that's where the danger is because there is stuff and that stuff accumulates and it's really our mismanaged desires. And once we find out that where our priorities are and where our desire truly is, we begin to recognize that it's not always in line with what God's priorities and God's desires for our life is.
You've been, you've heard it said before that you can take uh, a, a good understanding of where a person's priorities are, right? By looking at their bank checks and their credit card statements and their checkbooks, if you use a checkbook. Uh, I found out this week that many millennials, myself included, do not use checkbooks, and that's okay. But here's the thing. Yes, you can find what people's priorities are by looking at those three points of data, but those three points of data also point out what our desires in life truly are. Those things that we're pursuing after. We might not love money, but sure, we do love what money can buy. And when we truly acknowledge what this scripture says and what God is calling us to do and what the purpose is for our life is from God, we begin to realize that money is just a piece of paper. It's a tool that we use to purchase goods And we don't become identified by how much money we have or the possessions we have. But we truly do, as Jesus pointed out in Matthew 6, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and... Boom! Wendy! Woo! All right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you. Paul says that we need to pursue the things in this life that really matter. Things like godliness and righteousness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness and everything else in life is an idol. Everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. I know I draw a lot from my upbringing on the farm. And uh, to be honest, Jesus has a lot of farming analogies. So him and I get along pretty well. And uh, there's a lot of great imagery and life lessons and correlations with scripture that come alive on the farm. And one of the points that I want to bring home this morning is what my grandfather would often show us and tell us as a matter of experiencing and living into God's blessings for our lives. There is this analogy about a barn. And my grandfather and I and the rest of the family, we had three barns. And one was big, one was medium, and one was small. And my grandfather often said that we need to live in this barn mentality to acknowledge that there is great riches for our lives and that God is going to provide for us throughout the way. And this barn mentality, whether it's big, small, or medium, is acknowledging that in the kingdom of God there is more than enough. We live into this perspective that we have all we need in this life, right? Paul said, faith coupled with contentment, there is great gain. And when we acknowledge that what we have is more than enough, what we have is our sole desire to love God and to love our neighbors, then we have all we need. This idea about the barn comes from Leviticus 23 and Proverbs 3, where it says, Honor the Lord with your substance, with your first fruits for your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. My grandfather had that above every barn that we had. Honor the Lord your God with the first fruits of your produce, and your barns will be filled with plenty. It's about being obedient to what God has given you to show honor back to God. In the Old Testament, there was uh, an understanding that we were to tithe, right? We were to give our first fruits. And tithe in Hebrew actually means 10% or one-tenth. Whatever God gives to us, it's an act of obedience and an act of worship as we return one-tenth back to God. And so by giving our first fruits back to God, we're acknowledging that God comes first. Amen? And that everything else comes second. And we're also acknowledging that God has given us this stuff to begin with. And it's God's, and we're only holding on to it for a certain time. 
this analogy from my grandfather was not just an analogy, but it was a way of life. From the very early age that we were able to start working on the farm, he helped to instill, instill this in us. Every apple variety that we had, we would give 10% to the local food bank. And I want you to do some math this morning, okay? Ready? I, I couldn't, I think my numbers were wrong, and somebody at 815 uh, helped to uh, let me know that they were wrong. Um, so anyways, I'll, I'll do the math uh, a little bit later. But here, you can write this down. 5,000 apple trees on the farm, all right? 5,000. And we grew a lot of varieties. See, that's why my numbers are wrong. There you go. Anyways, we had 5,000 apple trees on the farm, and that would produce roughly 40,000 bushels of apples, which 5,000 times 40,000 is 1.5 million pounds of apples. And every year we would take one-tenth, a tithe, our first fruits to the local church food bank. And from June to November, they would be overflowing with apples, 4,000 bushels from June to November, 150,000 pounds of apples. Crazy, right? God shows up in our midst and we acknowledge that we put God first in all things. We show honor and glory and we put God before everything else in this life. It's a matter of perspective. What do we focus on? Do we focus on what we have or what we wish we had? Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and to put everything else secondary. God doesn't not want us to have stuff. Hear that again. God does not. Well, hold on. It's not that God doesn't want us to have stuff, but God doesn't want us to get wrapped up in those things or find our identity in those things. My friends, first and foremost, our identity should be in Jesus Christ. Amen? We are children, as Paul writes, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are meant for so much more. We don't exist for ourselves or for our stuff. And when we shift our perspective and we acknowledge that our identity first and foremost comes from Christ, we are rich and we are blessed. It's about having the right perspective. Paul gives four things that we should do in verse 18 as we focus on this godly perspective for our hearts. He says, do good. Do good. Be rich in good works. Be generous and ready to share. Focus on God who richly provides. Four things. Do good. Be rich in good works. Be generous and be ready to share. It's truly acknowledging that we all have a barn mentality, that we all have abundantly what we need. And my friends, God invites you and God invites me to give all that we have to the giving and building up of one another, to help redeem the world, to make a difference in the lives of others. Paul says in doing this, you store up for yourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that you can take hold of life and life abundant. Take stock in God's kingdom.